0: That was a lot of conversation about nothing.
1: (laughs) About null. Not not nothing. Not nothing, because nothing is something. It's the lack of anything.
2: You're listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, Episode 9, recorded Sunday, May 8th, 2016. Today we discuss Git, the good and the bad. The RFC for the new PHP pipe operator, why you should never use null, the new Laravel valet service and user group schedules for sdphp let's get started
0: hey, hey guys,
1: guys. <laughs> i love how he takes the reins and then drops the ball immediately
0: so many times, like, yeah we gotta do he's the, gonna be in charge and then he starts bobbing the ball around yeah. <laughs> hey eric Lost and
1: john American. how's it going hey thomas hey tom hey welcome to another episode of php ugly it's it's another I, episode. Yeah, it's we're already starting off very strong. No, I <laughs> blame you. <laughs> Welcome to PHP Ugly.
0: I heard a very interesting... The first time I'd ever heard somebody complain about GitHub, or Git in general. I am a huge fan of Git. I think it's completely changed the way I've done development. Mm. I can't ever imagine not using Git uh, to develop. And for the first time... In I think forever, I heard a well-established, well-respected developer basically come out against Git, saying that Git is flawed, and that the re- only reason people don't move to a, a better solution is because even though they're better, it's not a, it's not better enough where it's compelling for people to move over.
1: Well, yeah, and you don't you don't cross Linus Torvalds either. That guy has a has a mean streak in him.
0: Can anybody guess who might have said this? I mean, this might be a common stance this guy has
1: like Phil that I'm not aware
0: of. No, that would be, that would be a good one. It's not it's a not PHP guy, though. But it is something we all probably use. I'm, I'll just tell you because it's pretty obscure. I, I don't know. Uh, it's Richard Hipp, um, and he's the creator of Sequel Light, which he officially says that it, the official name is actually actually... SQL, or SQL Ike, or SQL Ike, SQL Ike, I think is what he said.
2: SQLite.
0: S. No, it's SQL Ike. I-K-E. I- no, SQLite. SQL Ike. I think is what he's saying.
2: Ike, if, he, if he's following MySQL, it's not SQL, because SQL is the second movie in a series. It's MySQL. So it might be SQLite.
0: It's not light, it's Ike. And that was that was the big thing that he had, and there was a reason behind it. I forget, but you don't you don't call it like he's fine with people calling it whatever they call it. He doesn't care. SQL Light, SQL Light, but he let let you know that it was actually I T E is actually one word. Um, like like socialite.
1: Guy.
0: Yeah, and there was there was some reasoning behind it. I I forget what it was. Some it was some clever play on words. But a great guy, obviously super smart. SQLite is used everywhere phones, every OS, tons of application. applications use it. And he was just talking about development and how, and this was a side conversation. It wasn't the point of the interview, which was this podcast I was listening to earlier. Got back <laughs> around to that. Yes. <laughs> it was the Changelog podcast. And, um, I don't know. It's just the first time I've heard a, a, an established developer kind of complain about Git. Just thought I'd throw that out there. See if you guys have ever have. heard of people.
1: Yeah? Yeah. No, I've complained about Git before. I, I've used Mercurial and far prefer it. Really?
0: What, yeah. what do you like about... So uh, Richard was referencing Fossil, which I've never heard of. They had also had talked about Mercurial.
1: Yeah. One of the things that Mercurial does is when you're switching between branches... It takes the current directory structure, zips the entire thing up and moves the whole directory away and then takes the branch that you're checking out, moves it in place, unzips it. And now you have a completely different code base, uh, of, of items that are checked in and not committed and committed. And it, it takes the, the way that the Git repository works on GitHub and moves that to the client. So now you have these local repositories that are managed that aren't necessarily synced with your origin uh remote that seems like it would take up a lot of disk space and time takes up a lot of disk space doesn't take up a lot of time how does Um, it not take up a lot of time because most projects even when they're big aren't enormous we have got a few that are Really large, yeah.
0: But so, so is the benefit of that being able to have separate branches where you don't have things checked in properly. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm losing what the benefit of that is.
1: The benefit of that is that you can have something like Git Flow, which actually I used as Mercurial Flow, and it makes sense uh, when stuff is getting branched off and forked off and merged back in, you're merging into your local master, oh. and you're tracking things just slightly differently. Um, also, the I don't know if you guys use git stash a whole lot, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the circumstances that require you to use git stash simply don't exist in Mercurial. You, there, there's no need for such a tool, because everything in the file system exists in that branch on its own. Mm. So when you change branches, if you've got stuff that's not committed, it still gets packaged up and moved aside when you get the other branch out.
2: But what if I don't want it as part of that branch? That's one thing I do like about Git is I can be working on a file and not want that part of that branch.
1: Yeah, then you give it commands to to do that behavior. But right now I don't need to with Git. So pros and cons, I mean... Also, Git Vault is better than GitHub. Just saying. Or mm-hmm. episode, not not Vault. Mercurial's, uh, I can't remember what the Mercurial host, Bitbucket. Bitbucket is better than GitHub. It's got free private repos. Which, yeah, that uh, is nice. Yeah, very nice.
2: Well, it's, it's better in pricing, but when it comes to integrations, they're making a lot of strides and they've, their interface has changed incredibly over the past few years. I still prefer GitHub to Bitbucket right now.
1: Yeah. Well bit and Bitbucket is owned by Atlassian, so it's already got all the integrations for the Jira stuff and, and all the Atlassian products. Yeah.
0: Yeah, may- maybe if you live in that platform that-, that makes a lot of sense. But if you're in the real world where you're integrating with other applications, GitHub just has so many more app endpoints it seems that you can touch on.
2: But it, I've, I've worked with lots of other devs that have used Material in the past, and they absolutely love it. I just never, n- never got around to using it. I think I used it back when I was trying different version control systems, but I was yeah. by, I was by myself and had no clue what I was doing. I was fumbling. And right,
0: I, I'm I was in the same boat. Yeah, so I, got I definitely now, never got to.
1: where it's the three of us who don't know what we're doing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but at least I kind of have a. I grasp on some of the Git tools and Git commands.
0: Now, how about Fossil? Have either one of you guys ever heard of Fossil? I, never I've heard never, heard of heard, I never heard of it. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it either until I, I heard him mention it and I looked it up. But And, and I think I, I see his And just listening to you, Thomas, it may be things that people find more beneficial, but. Definitely no features that are really compelling where I'm like, oh yeah, screw <laughs> this, I'm dropping Git tomorrow. Let's- yeah.
1: Well, I, I tell you, I didn't use Mercurial for very long, but it was easier to use than Git, which I've been using now for a significantly longer period of time. I've been using Git for three years, and I used Mercurial for about six months. And in that six-month period, it was much easier to use than Git was.
2: Git is very good at what it does, I think. But there are problems where, especially in a team environment, where you get somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, and then they try to fix something, and they they end up making it worse. Where if they would have just come to me and said, hey, I did this, I'd be like, oh, here's how you fix it. They try to fix it themselves, and it takes me 10 times longer to get them out of the mess they're in.
1: Yeah, and Git was intended to manage the Linux kernel development. Um, and I think Mercurial looked at that Git and said, "Oh, there's some good stuff in there, but there's some stuff that just really only applies to, you know, kernel-sized development projects. So we need something that's functional for smaller dev environments, and that there's tools available that do smaller level stuff."
0: And I know I, I I'm guilty where I personally have a little bundle of Git commands that I'm super comfortable with, and I'll use time and time again. And then there's so many other things out there, especially re- related to as far as Git commands go, that I don't use. And even some of the more common ones, like rebase, I I struggle with rebase, like when I should be rebasing, when I shouldn't be rebasing. So I simply don't use it. And I have all my workflows I've built up around Git don't include rebasing. Re- and it, and it,
2: rebasing is one of those once you understand it fundamentally, it makes perfect sense and Daniel yeah,
1: you, you use it I, all the time i use it all the time yeah
2: yeah it's not easy like i do most of my git commands via php storm now and i hate the rebasing in php storm so i don't but when i want to rebase go to the command line i use it it's it's great so it's one of those like we need to sit down again and go through how to use it when
1: to use it yeah Probably. well and yeah. it's it's one of the git commands that walks you through the process as you execute get rebase it'll say okay well here's the here's the status of the rebase here's what you need to do and then try again yeah Yeah. Uh, i'm
2: rewinding and here's what i'm here's where i'm starting here's what i'm getting to so
0: yeah I, i need to take another look at that because i did hear it explained pretty well as far as the stuff that you worked on, it starts to kind of slip in uh, the the timeline where it belongs, as opposed to putting it, you know, in bulk in one spot, which does make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I just need to revisit that one more time. Speaking of revisiting things, you were talking about new uh, RF, RFC,
1: right? A, a yeah, PHP. and you know, for those that don't know, an RFC is a request for comment. Um, it's a system significantly older than PHP. This is how the internet was developed as a standard. This is how all the the really great things we use daily come so from. So, just to, just practices. to be clear,
0: just to be per- perfectly clear, an RFC means really absolutely nothing. It's not saying that this is being built. It's not saying this is going to happen in the next release. It's just Start. an open dialogue to, to begin a conversation. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So one of the one of the new RFCs that's come around. That has made a lot of waves is the the pipe operator RFC, which uh, I I can easily understand why this is causing so much controversy in the community. Why do you see it as causing controversy? Because it fundamentally changes the way that normal PHP code looks. Right. It reverses the entire syntax that we're used to, where we nest everything in methods
0: why don't we take a minute to step back and you explain what the RFC is proposing.
1: So the RFC is proposing what what is functionally now the Unix pipe operator, uh, where you have a command that generates text, and you then pipe that command into a command that processes the text, and then you pipe that into the command that sends the text over uh, HTTP or whatever you'd like to your destination. So it's content generated, content processed, and then content pushed. Uh, whereas if you were to execute this as a series of method calls, you would read it from inside out. You would read the method that generates the text being inside of or being an argument of a method that processes the text, which is an argument inside a method that sends the text. Um, and the, the argument for this is that it, it makes things streamlined. So you don't read from inside out. you read from left to right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that that is also the weakness of this, which is that it will fundamentally change the way PHP looks. It, it'll it'll split it. You know right now, everyone who's doing PHP has learned to read inside to out. And So,
2: so to be clear, you're talk- if we're talking about the same RFC, it's basically pipe greater than is the the symbol that they're proposing, right? I believe so. So the way I'm reading it, they're kind of taking the the idea of making objects chainable or object methods chainable and they're applying it to standard functions. Take whatever the output of this is and send it into the
1: next function. Right?
2: Correct. That's
0: that's my understanding of it. Yeah,
1: it it doesn't fundamentally change anything except for the orientation by which you read the the language. Um, but the issue is that if you were accustomed to PHP in any way, and you saw the code being used <coughs> as an example here, you would have no idea whatsoever what it meant.
0: Well, but that's because it's it's not implemented. Uh, I mean, it's not a standard in PHP right now, but once it became one, wouldn't you be able to figure that out? I sure. Would so. it,
1: it would be another thing to learn that But honestly brings nothing to the table.
2: Except possible readability, if you understand it. I'm looking at a Reddit post right now where I kind of got to understand what's going on, and they show three different versions. One where each one is embedded within the other so it's a one liner that's hard to read because it's you have to like you said you're reading inside out uh then they call one sequence where they take each one and put it into a variable uh so it's uh three lines at that point using multiple variables that are unnecessary or the using this pipe which is doing the same thing just removing the need for these variables
1: Sure, and the variables might be unnecessary, but they're not weighty. It's, they're just pointing at, mm-hmm. uh, at pointers that hold no weight to them at all. Right. It's not, it's not,
2: this isn't optimizing anything. It's just changing how it's written.
1: Right, which to me is fine if you want to create a new language, but I think to, to fundamentally change the reading of left to right or inside to outside, is that's the task of, of having a new language.
2: I, I disagree. I mean, things are constantly changing with PHP, and we everything is adapting, and we do a lot of object method chaining right now. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of that. So this is just, to me, it's taking that same concept and applying it to these functions.
1: Having seen the controversy that very, very minor changes have created in PHP 7, uh, I can't imagine that this is going to go through the reviews oh. board at all. Yeah, this will never be implemented. It's just
2: it's an interesting concept. I would be for it personally, but not necessarily use it. Just I think it's an interesting technique.
1: Yeah, and yeah. the other thing, the other thing rumor here is that piping requires the use of a double dollar sign operator as well, which mm-hmm. does already have a use case in PHP. So,
2: uh, that's just th- being proposed. It could be something completely different than that.
1: Yeah, that's right. It could be, but it does get confusing fast, and it seems like an unnecessary way of changing things.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's already workarounds. I mean, we've been doing it for years.
0: I, I gotta be honest, listening to you talk about Inside Out so many times, you got me thinking about Silicon Valley. Do you guys, either one of you guys watch that show? I oh, watch yes. the
2: first few episodes, but don't have HBO, or whatever it's on.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't know if there's anywhere else but HBO, but yeah. The season three just started up. Well, I didn't just start up. I think they're like three or four. I just discovered they're like three or four shows in. I think three shows in. And it's one of those guilty pleasures I have. It's like it's so stupid, but it's funny enough where it keeps me interested. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like it. It, it. It's funny because before Silicon Valley, or, or I think at the same time as season one, or just before it. Amazon had released an original series called Betas, which is the, kind of the same concept. You know, these these geeks get together, come up with this concept, and they're building out their, their solution. And I actually thought that one was funnier, and it was looking forward to the season two of Betas. But it it never happened, and I think probably because Silicon Valley stole the audience, and there's only so much room...
1: <laughs> so yeah. much
0: interest for that storyline.
1: <laughs> well, I mean Silicon Silicon Valley is written by written and created by Mike Judge, who is, you know, sort of the, the nerd's uh mouthpiece for futurism. So
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is he the he's the one that did Beavis and Butthead, right?
1: Yeah, and uh Idiocracy. Idiocracy, yeah, that was good. Thomas, you gave us a
0: homework assignment.
1: I did give you a homework assignment.
0: Who did their homework assignment? Raise your hand. That's
1: what I thought. <laughs> I'm oh, you your you
0: read yours? Damn, I, re- I I tried reading reading it, and then yeah, I mean, I mean, nothing stood out about the conversation. Uh, I guess like, I guess
2: I should say, raising your hand doesn't help if people aren't watching this.
1: Oh, that's yeah. okay. You were talking about plenty of things that Eric was silently doing on the last podcast. That's true. <laughs> uh, the, the homework assignment was to read an article called uh, "Never Use Null." Uh, and I, I think we can have a, a link to this blog entry on our show notes. Uh, and it's quite an somebody interesting would article. Update show
0: notes, just this
1: this is one of those that I would tend to agree with. I've
2: I've never liked using it and I know lots of people do. Uh we're talking about returning null as as an as a value in PHP, right?
1: Returning or testing on uh, yeah. null to be a value, uh, or or even throwing returning, expecting to return null. Yeah, yeah and I'm guilty and of that. I am. So I, I was doing it as I read the article. Were you? <laughs> I literally. That's yeah.
2: So I have clients that they do it all the time, and when I bring it up, they don't care. Not that it's it's not right or wrong. It's just a preference, right? So my preference right. my my preference is throwing exceptions and catching it. So and this
0: this is right up the alley. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, John.
2: No, that's fine. I, I was just saying my preference is throwing exceptions, and and some people view the catch as what's the difference between an an if then else if else if else if else. Sure. You know. That's
0: that's exactly what I was about to say. This is right up the alley of you know, whether or not or if it's good practice to have an if else statement, which I'm actually a fan of not having an else statement. And I have I have made a conscious effort to not have if else and to only have if statements. Right.
1: Uh, and that and that comes from a presentation that was titled Never Use Else that I, that went around you know a couple years ago and really had a big impact on me and my development uh, it, yeah. it so, made a yeah. lot of sense you know because the first sentence you hear from it is well never use else that's stupid that's never gonna work and the presentation goes on to say you're wrong it does work it's much better look how clean it is I've had trouble finding this presentation a second time but it's Stating things in this sort of absolutist way, never use null, don't use else, it seems like you're being intentionally obtuse at the time, but it's really presenting the fact that there's a better way of doing some of these things, uh, and that null is there and you can use it, but there's a much better practice available. Uh, and in the case of this article, it's recommending creating a a null object uh, that you can return And the null object will appropriately handle access to undefined properties and methods, uh, things that are sort of constant problems for development with objects in PHP. And I I agree and disagree with some of the points in the article, but it's definitely a good read.
0: Yeah, I think I will probably use this the same way I use the never use else uh, recommendation, which is kind of take it as a challenge to make myself a better developer and yeah. to see what do I have to do to not pass a null statement or be a little bit more creative about the way I handle those situations.
2: So, So instead of initializing the object to null like we tend to do until it's injected, it's saying to use a null object of whatever it's expecting to have. Is that fair? Yes. That makes more sense. Why don't you just say that to begin with?
1: Because this is PHP ugly.
2: I was expecting this null object <laughs> that could be used anywhere. I'm like, that doesn't work. No, no,
1: no, <laughs> no. This is, this is like uh, using testing suites.
2: Now that's an interesting concept. That makes a little more sense. This article does not do a good job of explaining that. I'm sorry.
1: So well, you'd th- have to read it. the article.
2: So, so technically we tend to have at the beginning of our classes mm-hmm. when we're expecting an object to be injected, we initialize it to null. Right. This is if I'm understanding correctly, in a case of a mailer class, if we're expecting some sort of mailer object to be to be injected instead of Initializing to null, we're initializing to this null mailer that doesn't really send email. Okay. So right. anywhere in the object that says, hey, this mail send, it calls the null mailer because it's, a, it's initialized to that, not to null. So, it's okay. a, so it's, that's a very interesting
1: concept. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the article makes several different points about uses of null as yeah. return values, uses of null for uh, null object cases like this one, logging services, things like that. I, I like the
2: logger one. So instead of saying this logger is null, at or not this logger, at the beginning of our object saying logger equals null, and then anywhere we want to log, we're checking, hey, do we have a logger object? If we do, log. Right. You don't want to
1: ask, do we have a logger object first? You just want to say, throw it to the logger object. Right. So if we've left left it out on purpose because we're testing not logging, then we we still get the null logger object or the null logger service.
2: So if it's implementing the proper interface, we have all the right methods. It's just not doing
1: anything. So it doesn't fail and if you're doing if is set or if not double equal null then do this then you're really complicating your code far more than you need to be mm-hmm. uh you know it's hard to debug things that didn't ever get set instead of things that are set to the wrong thing that makes sense that was way more way more
2: interesting and and makes way more sense now that we've had this conversation, so hopefully other
1: people get what we're saying.
0: That was yeah. a lot of conversation about nothing.
1: <laughs> about null. No. Not, not nothing. Not it's nothing, because nothing no. is something. It's yes. the lack of anything. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> unless unless you're using weakly typed languages, <laughs> in which case things sort of go out the window. Now.
0: So there was a new Laravel thing announced. Um Laravel Valet was
1: announcing if we have an opportunity to look at this, does this interest anyone? Uh, I'm not a Mac user, so it held absolutely no interest other than the somewhat amusing release video that it came out with. The, the video was funny. The video was funny.
0: So there are definitely a lot of drawbacks, especially if you're not a Mac user. The biggest drawback is it won't work. It is <laughs> Mac specific. <laughs> Uh, but it is a pretty cool-looking tool. So I, I think I'm going to go ahead and do a talk on Laravel Valet, our next Laravel meetup. The,
2: the big, the biggest thing is that DNS thing you're talking about. Everything .dev goes to your local machine, and it takes advantage of another service that's already available, that ngrok, that basically allows or tunnels traffic back into your machine, even if you're behind a firewall, which is yeah. very useful.
0: Yeah, well, and, the, and even the auto-provisioning where if you just add projects to a, a default folder, which you've decided is the quote-unquote park folder, the valet park folder, as you add folders, those mappings to those .dot uh, .dev URLs become automatic, and there's nothing else to do, which I'd, is really nice.
2: I do think he got a little carried away with the valet piece and calling this my park folder. When I when I saw that, all I could think about was the old hard drives where you had to park the head.
1: Oh wow. Wow, oh, you so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the naming schema is a little uh, silly, but I think the product itself the product itself is kind of silly too. I mean, it's it's doing a bit of work for you. It's not really doing a whole lot of work. It's very easy to just not need valet whatsoever. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, you don't you don't need it, and and that's the other thing is, uh you know, if you want
0: a database and you have to be running a database locally, if uh, I mean everything that Homestead was taking care of for you, you now have to do in your local environment. Yeah, so.
2: it's meant to be be really quick, quick and dirty, get things running. But the fact is, we use things like Homestead or Vagrant. To mimic our production environment.
0: Exactly correct, yeah. What you you mentioned about the naming convention, that's one of the things that frustrates me about the whole Elixir naming convention because there's a whole programming language out there called Elixir. And then they have their Elixir package within Laravel. So I hear people talking about using Elixir on podcasts, and it takes me a second to realize Oh yeah, they're not talking about Laravel. They're talking about Elixir, the language.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited for uh, Laravel Go, and then uh, (laughs) Laravel Ruby is going to be really impressive.
0: (laughs) How are you looking for your first official meetup in North County as the lead organizer? You
1: all set? Night sweats. I've thrown up a couple times. Uh... So think, yeah, you're you're uh, fine. Yeah, haven't heard from the presenter in a while. Hope he's still alive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, hel- it, it helps if you confirm with him that you want to y- use his presentation. <laughs> I thought you did that. Nah, <laughs> Maxim. Yeah, Maxim's a wonderful guy. He he got a job uh, through our group a couple years ago, and was ecstatic about it. Uh, and I hope he does a great job. He he has a thick accent, so he's a little worried about that, but I kept telling him there's nothing to be concerned about. Just come, do your best. And as pre- as organizers, we're there to support the presenter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll it's it'll be a great presentation. I've seen the slides he's done, and he puts all of us to shame, uh, if you guys haven't already seen it. I have oh, not yeah. seen it, actually. Does it yeah. surprise me? Oh. No, he's, he, he clearly put time and effort into it, which is better than I think I've ever done on any of our presentations. Our? Um, mine.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm not taking credit for your presentations.
1: <laughs> no, not today. We need to get you some pint.
0: Do you have a pint glass you can give away and we can reimburse you? Or what's up? I don't. I don't have a pint glass. Oh,
2: I gotta find out how many I have left. We need to order some. You should
0: do that tomorrow. How many Maybe I'll drive one out to you tomorrow, so you, just so you have one. I, I hate for you to look
1: bad your first uh, first time as an organizer. Oh, I'm going to look bad no matter what. The pint glass is just going to be the cherry on top. <sighs> yeah, I'm 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 hyped for uh, the next North County meetup. It'll be interesting getting a sort of a fresh start away from uh, the influence that you guys have had <laughs> over the years.
2: What would have been better is had we not scheduled it the week before. Yeah. That that's the biggest problem we had is we we needed presenters.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to be poaching uh, presenters from other local meetups and seeing if they'll if they'll come humble us with their knowledge. Oh yeah, you're you're kind of stuck on Tuesday though, I think. Yeah, we can move yeah. ours.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about moving ours.
1: We're just not gonna. <laughs> we
0: could. All right, are we wrapping this up? Because we're talking are... about things that so many people don't care about. People love that, this yes, aspect of that,
1: us. That that is our podcast. All right, okay, we're wrapping it up. We're done. I'm calling it. I'm putting a fork on it. <clears throat> All right, can we yeah. get a time of death on this one? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's been fun. I'm John Congdon.
1: I'm Eric Baird Johnson.
2: I'm Tom Rideout. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the PHP Ugly
0: Podcast. <laughs> PHP Ugly can be found on Twitter at PHP Ugly. You can also follow the host Tom Rydell on Twitter at Real Rideout, John Congdon on Twitter at John Congdon, and myself, Eric Van Johnson, on Twitter at Shocom. That's spelled S-H-O-C-M. Notes and links from this episode can be found on GitHub at github.com forward slash phpugly forward slash podcast.